Hello and welcome to The Confidential. And this is my first guest on Divorce Confidential. Hello, Alessandro. Hi, great to be here, Simone. Thank you so much for joining me. Really greatly appreciate your presence and all the wisdom that I know you're going to be able to give to the listeners and to myself. Of course, I'm also a divorced uh, woman, but I wanted to hear the men's side of it. But before we get started, I want the audience to know a little bit about you. And I want to lead with saying that you are the winner of the 2020, 2021, and 2022 Spiritual Professional of the Year. That's amazing. Well, look, I'm in London and I think it was for London and the Southeast. So, but yeah, it was a great, it was a great honor. And I think it was around the COVID time where I was offering uh, something like 200 Qigong sessions online to people around the world to help them with their health and energy when they, they weren't allowed out of their homes mostly. So I think they, they kind of honored the fact that, you know, I was giving a lot of help out there. And as a result, I also was, I did build up a, a, a business. So I now have an online group that I teach, uh, but it was, it was, yeah, it was great to, to, to receive that. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think regardless of where you're located, very much needed, uh, even if it was for your local community or for the world community at large. And hopefully you've taken that sort of to the um, to the electronic airwaves, for lack of a better term, so that a lot of people can benefit from what you have to offer. Uh, but I wanted to also go a little bit from what I know about you. You've had a very adventurous childhood. You're Italian. Of course, everybody can tell by your name, Alessandro Peruto. Very and you lived pronounced. in multiple countries by the age of nine. And that includes Indonesia, of course, of course, in, in Italy, in Sardinia, as well as Tanzania and the former Yugoslavia in Turkey. And of course, in the UK, which is where you settled and where you are right now. And you went there to study. You're currently in London and you always searched for a deeper meaning in life. Yes. And um, I believe that it was until in 1988 when you attended an event that everything changed for you. Is that right? Yes, yes. Um, it was uh, in a church in North London where I met a Chinese man, Xi uh, Jing Wang, Master Xi Jing Wang, and he's still my Qigong teacher after 35 years. But yeah, what, what was interesting, I'd never heard of Qigong. Um, I just found myself with a group of six, seven people, but I could feel something between my hands, what the Chinese call the qi or, or life force or energy, which is what keeps us alive and vibrant and healthy. But having felt it, I thought, God, I need to go into this a bit more deeply. You know, I wasn't ill. A lot of people come to it through illness. So I've been studying it ever since, and it works on so many levels of our health, you know, mind, body, spirit, and it certainly helped me through the divorce and challenges in my life, because I can look at things slightly from a different um, perspective, if you like. Mm -hmm. And speaking of divorce, I understand you, uh, your divorce took place about 13 years ago, is that yes. correct? Or maybe yes. now 14, since we're yeah. in the new year. Yeah, time is passing quickly. Yeah, it's yes. 14. And um, I'm wondering if you'd like to share with the audience, how did it, how did the divorce happen? What led up to the divorce that you ended up? I mean, you were such a, a spiritual man, of course, uh, you seem very much at peace and your energy sort of introduces you before you can even introduce yourself and you're very much at peace. It's even difficult for me and I'm divorced myself 
when I look at people, um, I, I can kind of read to see where they are. And you seem to be in such a good place. It's almost difficult to even imagine that you or your, your relationship would break down. So I'm very curious if you don't mind sharing with the audience. Yeah, I'm very happy to share. I, I was surprised um, at, at my divorce. Um, you know, I made mistakes like, like anyone. I mean, I, mm. I, I'm, I was brought up Catholic and I married uh, a Muslim woman who already had two children. So suddenly there was a, you know, my mum was sort of against this, this marriage, but you know, we, we got married and we had our own daughter. So I ended up with three children. Ibrahim, Ismail, and, and Aisha, and, um, you know, we were together 15 years, and it got to the point where um, I was, we were, we were struggling a bit, so we actually did go to see a mediator to try and help us, but what was, what was really interesting was I could have continued for the rest of my life, because I saw my parents stay together, and I don't think they were, they were, fully happy so I thought oh maybe this is what marriage is we're happy for a while and then we live the rest of our lives slightly unhappy and I, I could have continued but in a way uh, my my now ex asked for the divorce and uh, I, ha I had no choice in it so it was it was just presented to me um, having said that when when I think back it's probably one of the best things that happened in, in my life. And maybe we can talk a little more, more about that, but I felt that I found myself again. I think I'd got lost in, in the family dynamic, in being brought into a different culture. Um, and, and I was just, what was the, what's the word? I was, I, the, the, there's, there's a uh, Pink Floyd song called Comfortably Numb. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I just felt I was, I was, just, I, I was all right, but I wasn't really happy and fulfilled. Um, but I could have gone on because I saw my parents went on and probably their parents went on in that way. I think that a lot of times, and you're absolutely right, I, I can relate to what you said so much because we have the old uh, energy and the old template of marriage and what it means and how you're supposed to stay at the expense of your happiness and fulfillment. Um, so we sort of learned from that and we have those pressures and obligations to sort of follow suit and then we go on and we have we find ourselves in a completely new space um, in, in the sense of the way society is unfolding and where we how we have advanced and evolved as a society and even in certain communities and certainly when we do um go into life partnership with other people, we sort of get caught up in how we can uh, unfold that. But once other things like financial stresses and children come into the mix, we sort of forget ourselves and building our relationship as, as husband and wife. And we sort of divert all of that energy and focus on the children and on building the home and other things other than the way we relate to each other. And I think that oftentimes, ignoring that very important aspect of our partnership leads to the erosion of it. Yes, I agree, I totally, yeah. And how was divorce viewed in your culture? Uh, I was married to an Italian man myself, and I know that um, within the Italian culture, it's almost expected that you just kind of fight through whatever comes at you and you remain married. Um, and of course, that being under the Catholic uh, religion umbrella, 
Yeah. Uh, but certainly that was different for you because you were married to someone from a different culture and from a completely different religious background. Yeah, I think still um, in Italy, things have changed a lot, I, I would say. Uh, in fact, I think they even have a population that, that, you know, in reverse, where they're not even having enough children now, which is quite unheard of in a Catholic country. Um, so things have changed a lot in, in the modern Italy, let's say. So divorce or separation is, is not frowned upon. But in the old days, for sure, you know, traditional families, you just put up with it. And especially women, I think, had the more difficult role where they would just have to accept the, the patriarchal, if you like, um, um, husband who would, who would, in fact, in Sardinia, this is, it's, it's when I go back, um, you see the men out on the streets, you know, talking in bars, you know, the old men or sitting on mm -hmm. benches and the women are at home sort of knitting and cooking, you know, it's, it's still, it's still the case now. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's that kind of separation. <clears throat> so you've got the kind of patriarchy and, the, and, you know, the, the roles and they're quite well defined as, as you just said in, in Italian culture, obviously in England now, it's almost gone the other way where, you know, we're not even sure you know what what the roles are any longer and I, th I think I think that's one of the problems with a lot of men they don't really know where they stand and you know what does it mean truly to be a you know good man a good father who are the role models that we're looking up to and I think there's there's not many of those I, I didn't have many and I, I know I work quite a bit in men's groups right now in the Mankind Project and a lot of men there you know, don't, don't seem to have good role models. So it's good to be around groups of men where we can inspire each other to be better versions of ourselves rather than go to the pub and get drunk and then joke about women, you know, which is the, the traditional way men would deal with these things often is, is quite sad, actually. Men, men, you know, not very good at opening up and, um, and, and showing vulnerability, but that's changing as we know. Yes, and certainly the, the role models that we had growing up, I, I'm speaking even for myself here, my parents uh, had a very tumultuous marriage themselves. Therefore, I did not have the a proper model of marriage that I could follow or be able to learn from. Um, it, was, uh, it was troublesome and full of uh, a lot of... Um, abuse and a lot of things that were not conducive to happiness. Therefore, when I went into my own marriage, I did not have sort of the blueprint or any kind of um, foundational basis for how to have a successful marriage. And I think that the old way of doing things, much like you just touched on, especially on the male side, uh, they do sort of keep those feelings inside whether you feel heartbroken or, and they put on this um, brave face to the world and they deal with it by coming together with um, people who are sort of in the same boat rather than exploring where they're at and how they can heal. Exactly. And I think one of the main things as well is taking responsibility. For me, you know, the, the minute, you know, the divorce kind of happened, the week after I was already in front of a therapist saying, look, you know, what, what can I do to kind of um, resolve, you know, how, how I've been, you know, what my part is in this. And I remember her saying really clearly, she said, 
um, you've got a real opportunity now. You could almost get a PhD in what, what does it mean to have a healthy relationship? And then, so I started on the road to looking at, you know, what was my role in it and how could I, um, um, how, how could I empower myself to be, you know, a more caring, loving, and one of the main things is, you know, not to blame in any way, you know, my ex or the situation or society, you know, I took full responsibility. And I think that's a great place for anyone to start to say, you know, what, what you know, how did I create this, you know? So you mentioned that it was actually your ex-wife that um, sort of asked for the divorce. Mm -hmm. How did that make you feel in that moment? I, I could, I, terrible. I couldn't believe it. You know, it, I remember that the, the occasion in front of the kids, you know, and it was just like, you know, bomb had hit the house. You know, I was completely um, uh, shocked, kind of shocked. But once it's happened, it's and it's said, and there's the dramas in the room. It's it's done, isn't it? it it's it's right. it's the beginning of the end. And I think the other thing that I'll never forget is the night that I moved, you know, out of the the family home and into my new small home. Here was. You know, if, if there was a scene of hell on earth, that was it. I just felt so, you know, abandoned. My daughter was next to me and her mum in a different place. And it was just like, God, I, I, this can't get any worse, you know. But from that moment on, things started, could only get better. And I, and I took responsibility to really, to, to learn and to grow and to um, understand actually, you know, what is it to have a, a good healthy relationship? What is it about balance of the masculine, the feminine? What is the, the giving and taking, you know? Um, and we each have roles. I think it's a pity when, you know, people try and say, you know, men aren't even needed these days to have babies. We don't need them anymore. It's like, but there are there is a masculine energy and a feminine and the balance is what, you know, brings us joy and happiness. And I think men have been pushed into one corner. It's almost women pushed into another. And at the moment, it's a very tricky time, I think. So it's, it's really to honor each other's qualities. And um, I think that's what I started delving into. Um, how, can, how can I, you know, how can I take more responsibility and resolve things inside me that were there from probably childhood, as, as you know, you know, a lot of these things came from very young age, you know, the behaviors. Right. And I think it's so important you touched on something that's so fundamental um, because there are certain unique nuances to every divorce, of course, as vis-a-vis -vis the individuals that partake in it and uh, the background that they come from, their traumas, unresolved issues and such. But it's also who was it that initiated the divorce and on what premise? Was there any kind of infidelity? Was it just that the two individuals had grown apart and their journey as husband and wife had come to an end and they had to um, go and seek uh, what they were meant to do in their life sort of alone? Um, there was no more glue, for lack of a better term, that was holding the marriage together. So the different nuances certainly play a role, but it's so commendable that you took the step of trying to find out where you stood, what role you played, and took the responsibility to figure the things out that would have been sort of conducive to your healing and to being able to move on. Yeah, 
I think in our case, nothing really happened. We just we had grown apart. We tried mediation, and um, we'd kind of come to the end of the road. As I said, I could have continued having seen my parents, but she couldn't. And um, so, yeah, that that was, you know, I remember even the solicitor said, "This is the worst financial decision you'll ever make in your life." And I said, "Well, I, wow. I didn't, I didn't make it, but <laughs> you know." the law you know is you know in this country in the uk it's it's 50 50 of all assets and everything everything my parents had everything i had in my life it was 50 50 at that moment and there's no getting away from it so you know men can often get get really um you know feel, feel i suppose um that that they've been wronged or it's unjust you know um and yes, especially I believe in a um, in the type of family where the man is the breadwinner, and therefore the financial aspect sort of had fallen on his shoulders for for the entirety of the marriage, and then all of a sudden you have to sort of give up half of all of the things that you've worked hard to accumulate within the marriage and within the family, and. Um, I guess the feeling is that the other person did not participate in that. And therefore, it feels like there is some sort of injustice or unfairness attached to it from the financial perspective. Yeah, yeah. And so how did you find, what, what, what did it take you to find peace and to heal? Mm. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if, uh, yeah, I think, I think um, my, my own, Qigong practice, which is, if people don't know what Qigong is, it's just working with, you know, a life force or energy that, that keeps us alive. So it's mm -hmm. actually taking time maybe uh, to do some movement, meditation, uh, self-healing, but really tuning into the energy that's beyond my own. So, you know, letting go of my ego and, and saying to myself, what practice can I do daily to cultivate my inner peace? to cultivate a, a sense of um, uh, a mind that's at peace and Qigong addresses all these areas you know physical mental and so for me personally it was a great way to to kind of dissolve a lot of the trauma that was probably held inside the body and one thing about Qigong that differentiates it in a way sometimes if we have a pain or a problem or something that's happened a therapist might spend months or years looking you know with a magnifying glass at the problem in qigong we often do a practice where we empty the body we connect with this universal energy and by creating more space often the issue can dissolve without giving it attention so i found a lot of things emotionally you know would settle um, physically you know feeling better feeling stronger but then obviously i had to work a lot on my um, mindset and you know you know if I failed let me let me find another you know relationship where I can make it succeed so I had to I had to also you know be careful not to feel desperate or that I had to make it work because this one had failed that, that was a big lesson I remember um, you know getting getting help with that you know to just just ultimately find myself and find my own in a piece and then relate from that place rather than needing somebody to give me um 
you know, give me bring meaning into my life. Because I, I do have friends, for example, who have never been out of a relationship in 50 years. You know, they, they, they just couldn't. They could never not be in a relationship. And to me, I see that as a bit of a pity because I think we all need to cultivate, you know, who we who we truly are. And if we come together with somebody, then we, we add to each other. That's the way I see it right now. You know, it's kind of adding to each other's lives rather than um, needing each other. And I think that was one of the values, you know, when I was married, that going back to what we said earlier, I think I think values are really important before we go into a serious relationship or marriage to look at each other's values. If I think if we had done that, probably I wouldn't have got married. <laughs> yeah, it's important that we, I think, realize, and certainly I did, uh, <laughs> that divorce itself, much like any other negative aspect of life, this being one of the most significant ones, offers us such an amazing opportunity to really pause and find ourselves so that if we do hope to have a successful, enriching, and loving relationship that's based in, <clears throat> excuse me, in love and what's of substance, we really do have to do this work so that we could bring the best version of ourselves and a an upgraded version of ourselves to the next relationship if we do choose to pursue another one. Uh, rather than abandon who we are and sort of add to the traumas that we're carrying and is sort of embedded within our, the fiber of our being and move on to another relationship and just start the whole process all over again. And much like, and I forget who it is that said it, I believe it was Einstein, uh, when you go and approach something with the same mindset and in the same way that you did that has led to... Um, to failure, uh, the, the insanity of it is that you believe that you're going to have a completely different outcome. And of course, exactly. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, so yeah. this is such an opportunity for growth, personal growth, personal exploration, and the ability to really enrich the self to be able to offer it to another. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would encourage people, especially if they're going through it, to see it as a, as an opportunity, as a kind of gift we can't change the past but we can make the present better and we need to work on it it's not just going to happen if we meet somebody else tomorrow there's no way because you know we haven't transformed in any way so i think i think the key is to really um take take our own self-care ser seriously and and self-love and self-care i think are really important words because sometimes people are looking to someone else to give them validity or make them yes. feel feel loved and I, I was in that situation um for sure you know as as a child i mean we don't have to go into the whole thing but when i was uh, two my, my parents left me in italy for a year and they went to america with my sister and brother um so i had this kind of unconscious abandonment thing and and you know, I was always worried about that. And maybe even in the marriage, it's like, so, so I don't get abandoned. Let me just do everything I can to make it work. And it was such an effort. And I think if we have to really struggle, if I have to really struggle to make it work, um, that's not good for me nor for anyone else. So, um, yeah. I don't, I, at the risk of sounding uh, negative, I don't, want to, but um, I think that we are taught to seek what we need and require 
to grow, to progress, to evolve, uh, to seek it uh, outside of us. And to always feel like it is our responsibility to give to the outside of ourselves to enrich another. Whereas uh, the most important step we can take in life is to enrich ourselves. And much like I just said earlier, is we bring a better version of ourselves that does naturally as a byproduct enrich the marriage, enrich the relationship and the other person. And if the partner that we choose to share our life with does the same, then we both bring that enriched version of ourselves to the marriage, to the partnership, to life, uh, and of course to to the relationship together as husband and wife. And uh, certainly, it makes that relationship that much more harmonious. Yeah. And having gone through this, uh, and it certainly sounds uh, like a very um, positive and harmonious journey. Uh, between you and your ex-wife rather than the very tumultuous and highly destructive one that's typically the norm when one two come face to face with with this big idea of sort of destroying what they had built together that being the family unit and the marriage and life together and cohabitating what would you say would be the number one thing that people need to do or keep in mind when they start the divorce proceedings, no matter at what stage they are in the process, whether it's just the thinking process that, well, I don't want to be in this anymore, or they've already started the process and they're separated, physically separated, or they've already talked to a lawyer or they're already in court. What would you say would be the number one thing that people need to keep in mind? I would say, especially for men, you know, um, reach out for help, you know, uh, open up uh, either through, through friends that there, there are groups I mentioned earlier, uh, the mankind project. There are many, um, especially nowadays since COVID happened, there's a, there's a lot of online help available, but not to try and do it ourselves and think that we know it because actually when we, you know, when we seek help, um, it's incredible how people, love to help actually but if we don't ask they, they don't know and I think men are not so good at admitting um, their vulnerability but as we know from Brene Brown vulnerability is is a great quality and I, li I like the term I heard it today radical vulnerability but also I like robust vulnerability where you know we, we are truthful honest we open up and then we can get help whether from a group or like-minded men um, uh, or, or, or therapy, but definitely to, to, to reach out sooner rather than later. And maybe even, I mean, we try to mediate. I think a mediator is worth their weight in gold. Even though we went through the divorce leading up to it, the mediator really help, helped us to communicate. In fact, even drew up the document for the divorce. So the solicitor just had to have it stamped. And that saved thousands of, of pounds or dollars um, and a good mediator is worth their weight in gold because it gets people to communicate respectfully to each other. You know, we, we were communicating, saying things to each other in front of this mediator that, you know, my ex would say, oh, do you think that? And I'd, I'd say, oh, I didn't know you thought that. And it's like, hang on, we're married and we don't even know what the other is thinking. But, but with somebody else in the room, 
our communication was really flowing and it really helped to agree that we'd see our daughter 50-50. You know, every, we agreed everything in this small room in Hammersmith in front of a mediator. It was, a, it was really, I would, I'd recommend that to anybody, but reach out for help. And I, I call it visible help, which is people around us, but also invisible help. Invisible help, if we pray, if we meditate, just really take time to tune into our heart rather than the mind and what we think or the emotions. Invisible help inspires us and gives us strength, whether it's, you know, we're religious, whether we're not, um, you know, to do something for ourselves to keep the emotions um, calm and realize actually we're not the emotions and even the thoughts we're not the thoughts you know with something beyond that we are we are we are pure love and energy anyway that's getting a bit deep here <laughs> no that's actually fantastic and it's so important uh, I love what you said and even the way you presented it and articulated it the visible and the invisible help so definitely the visible help being um groups like-minded individuals people who are sort of going down the same path and are on the same journey mediators that can facilitate better and more respectful communication between uh, the individuals who are going through the divorce but also the invisible help which is your connection to yourself your connection to your god your connection to your spiritual side and being able to sort of leverage everything you have available to you to get you through this whole process which is painful yeah so what would you say uh alessandro that you misunderstood the most about your divorce that perhaps others share and see it in the same way that's the biggest misunderstanding what would you say that is um maybe maybe if i'm honest um i i i, I kept thinking i did nothing wrong <laughs> that, that was ah. my biggest you know, whether, and I was talking to somebody today about this, actually, she was saying that men have real trouble, you know, admitting when they've made mistakes. And I don't know if it's a man thing, but I, I you know, when I think back, I, I now understand many occasions when, you know, I could have acted differently or mm -hmm. um, I could have been more open, expressed more rather than allowing things to build up. And I think when things build up, that that's that can be a real issue. So it's like admitting, you know, but actually being honest about um, the the you know what I had done wrong, the mistakes I I had made. Even though I, I don't think there's there were any big mistakes or no affairs. There was nothing. There was nothing bad, but there were just a lot of a lot of misunderstandings or non communication. I think about what was going on. Um, I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that um, those are probably nuances that are the common thread, <laughs> especially amongst men, um, especially because from what the research that I've done and from what I've studied, it's typically women that initiate the divorce, much like it was the case for you and in, in your situation. And was the case for me in my situation. I initiated the divorce. And certainly when your partner in life is sort of taken aback and by surprise uh, and unbeknownst to them up until this point, you were sort of harboring these feelings and wanting out of the union, uh, you, you don't even have the time to sort of reflect to say, okay, so there's trouble and 
uh, this is where we are. What am I doing to participate in this? Or what's my part? Or at least even engage the person in conversation. But when you're presented with the idea of, I want a divorce, I want out, I don't want to be with you anymore. Of course, you're taken aback and thinking, wow, but what? why didn't you articulate this until now so we could have resolved it yeah. or communicate and and be able to sort of come to some sort of consensus so that's certainly very powerful and i really appreciate your honesty and in, in sharing that because i i'm quite sure that a lot of the listeners will be able to um to really see themselves in that uh, in that statement what yeah. would you say was a um the myth that you came across when you were going through the divorce proceedings about about divorce itself of course um yeah that it, that you you mentioned a little bit that it, that it, that it has to get really nasty and it has to be difficult and from what i've seen um often it's it is the men who make it can make it really difficult probably or possibly because their egos are hurt um mm -hmm. you know or because they have the more control of the finances. And I've heard of cases of, you know, women whose husbands are really wealthy and the, and the woman got nothing because the husband cleverly did something with the finances and the money. And I just think that's so, I, I'm really shocked, you know, when I, when I hear those stories, it, it's just not, you know, it's just not on to act in that punishing. It's like the man punishing the woman for whatever whatever happened and i think it's to to really try and resolve it in the best way but the most honest way possible i think you know if there's children involved if there's yes. finances involved regardless of the law to to really try and do it in a fair way and and an honest way and i think a lot of men feel they take it very personally and um, they, they want to get maybe their revenge. And I, I think that's a completely wrong way because in the end that will come back to haunt them, you know, with, either through the children after the divorce or, um, you know, life, karma, you know, li life happens to us. And I think if we're, if we're truthful and honest and fair, everybody wins. And I think men often feel they've been hard done by I, I could have felt that way and I kind of did, but I, I, I overcame that through, you know, some, some personal, um, you know, whether it's therapy or, or, or going into the situation and realizing nobody's going to win if I get nasty or make it difficult. Let's just, you know, try and, try and keep the channels open, keep the communication open and be truthful and do our best actually we're doing it also for the kids especially because kids involved you know it, it, it's so sad when the, the kids are in the middle of it and take sides with one or the other and that's such a pity because in the end that's going to cause problems in their lives and oftentimes children are sort of forced to take sides mm -hmm. not necessarily that they do want to i think they probably love their parents equally and are put in a position to enforce in a position that they don't understand anything about they do not see and connect the dots of the intricacies of relationships especially of that caliber so it's really difficult for children to navigate those waters especially when it's so difficult for us ourselves as adults to navigate those waters yeah. so uh it's important to put the children at the forefront so that they can have as easy a time as possible going through these sort of difficult times. 
Um, and one question that um, I ask all my uh, all my guests: How do you want to be remembered by your ex-wife, or how are you remembered by your ex-wife? Um, kind, forgiving, but also strong with with boundaries and taking responsibility um, and honest, always honest. She was always impressed how, you know, at least on the financial thing, I was always fully open, transparent, and honest. And I think she really appreciated that. Um, and open to communication, you know, often it's the other way around. I'm, I'm, I'm a good communicator and sometimes it's not so the other end, but I will keep the channel open and have no, you know, resentment because I think she finds that quite hard, that, that side of it. Um, yeah. I think it's so important to make sure that those lines of communication um, are always open and flowing so that no matter what you kind of um, come across or are encountering even during the divorce process it's discussed uh, openly so that the other knows where you stand and why you react in the way that you react because oftentimes it is a reaction rather than a response yeah yeah so um what would be the most important lesson that you've learned about divorce as a whole from your own divorce and of course we all understand that each divorce is unique and has its own unique nuances but I think there are common themes that we all sort of encounter when we get divorced and go through the process of divorce, but there are always important lessons. And certainly there's probably one that stands out the most and is fundamental and foundational. What would you say that is from your own divorce? Wow, yeah, it's, it might sound a bit odd, but to me, it's just realizing that we, we grow as, as humans, we grow, we develop. Um, and, it's, it, and that it's really hard for two people to stay together for their, their whole life. I mean, I, I, you know, this, this idea of <clears throat> till death do us part, all these things that people say to each other, it's like not honoring the fact that, you know, we're, we're growing often at different rates in different directions, life affects us in different ways. So actually it's almost inevitable that people will grow apart at some point. So if people are prepared to either grow together or support each other in the growth, but if they're not, just to accept that it's, it's an inevitability, I would say, you know, and I don't even like, okay, the word we're talking about divorce, but often nowadays people don't even get married. So they're separating, but even the separation. So I suppose the most important thing is that it's, it's life takes us in different directions and we grow in different directions. So it's a natural um, progression of being a human, you know, human being that's fulfilling their potential, not necessarily to get divorced, but to either sort it out, you know, grow together or accept nicely that we're not growing together. So it, it, it's A or B but the accepting nicely seems to be almost, um, you know, uh, impossible these days. But I would say, you know, if, we, if we're prepared in advance to either make the effort to make it work or realize if we're not prepared to make the effort or the, the, other, the other isn't, 
um, how can we come out of it in the best way possible? And I think it's such a pity that it, it can become destructive um, or negative. So I think the most important thing is um, it's a natural progression of who we are, that, that we, we, we don't want to be in a cage and we don't want to be trapped. And it's, uh, it's you know, life, life is challenging. And I think um, we need to honor ourselves and be, be, be truthful to, to, our, to our nature, really. It's quite hard to, to put it into words. <laughs> yes, and I think uh, one, one of the lessons that I took when I was going through my divorce, and of course it was painful, and even the decision to walk away from it was painful, but I think that it's important to realize that oftentimes, um, and I alluded to this earlier, the, the road is not sort of from when you meet until death, uh, but rather it's finite and it serves a purpose and that you have a sort of spiritual contract of sorts that has you bind it together so that you can um, achieve what is needed to be achieved within that time frame. Um, that it actually compels you to take certain steps and that it, um, it, it incentivizes you to continue to grow and evolve as an individual. And once that's achieved, uh, then you could part ways and go forward as a better version of yourself, more evolved. However, oftentimes that's not the case. And the break happens as the catalyst for those things to take place. And it's that pain that actually puts you on the path of having to dig deep inwards and to be able to seek what is necessary for you to grow and evolve and to achieve what you are meant to achieve. So oftentimes that can be achieved within the constraints of the marriage. And then it ends because, you know, it has achieved its purpose. Uh, and other times it is the break of it that is actually the impetus for you being able to go down that path so that's important for us to keep in mind and of course as always the way that life proceeds um the test comes first and the lesson after <laughs> so in the beginning you're not aware of exactly what's happening and what purpose it serves but you find that out much later on when the lesson comes of course and you have to be patient about it um another question i had for you alessandro from everything you've said what would you say, because you, you've touched a lot upon all the positive aspects of what your marriage taught you, what you wish you knew, um, what would you say was your biggest failure in your divorce proceedings? And how did you handle that experience? What did you learn from it? Hmm. <laughs> I can't think of, uh, you know, like, like, a just trying to think. Um, I understand that you you're looking at it through such a positive lens. Everything yeah, you no no, you, but I yeah I, I get what you're saying. I'm I'm just trying to think. I, I suppose I suppose um, because I was most of the time my daughter lived with me, which is quite unusual in 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 a divorce that, that right. the man the man has his daughter. So in a way, <clears throat> my biggest failure was probably um, taking so much responsibility as the dad and you know if the mum wasn't around I'm the mum as well and then maybe almost um, uh, smothering or disempowering 
my daughter because I thought I had to do so much. So it's not to say to, to a parent, uh, do less, but inevitably I wanted to do my best. And sometimes, you know, maybe I, I didn't give her enough space to, to kind of, to, well, I think she's grown up into an amazing woman, but I just think um, I, I was too, um, trying to trying to trying to achieve too much as a as as two parents because one was absent and also maybe because my parents sent me away at age nine to boarding school so I'm also in that mode of let me let me do as much as I can so it, it can be easy to over over give and overdo and when when I do I feel I'm disempowering her because a bit like a butterfly you know when if we if we cut open the cocoon, the butterfly will die. You know, it needs to struggle and push out and push out the wings, then it can emerge and fly. But if we help it out, it doesn't survive. And and there's a fine line between allowing our kids to to really flourish and grow. And there's no perfect parenting, but you know, my my you know maybe one bit of uh, failure is is you know if one can do too much, I, I did too much. <laughs> yes, I think I I could so relate to that because I know and one of the individuals that I spoke about with this, she told me um, that oftentimes, even on a subconscious level, when we try to do so much for our children and we do it from a very positive, loving place in our heart, we actually send them the message that we don't trust them to be able to do that for themselves. And oftentimes we disempower them. And if we continue to do that particular thing over and over on an ongoing basis, we constantly send that message until it becomes something that's so ingrained in them that they too start to believe that they are not capable of achieving some of the things and that it's only the mother or you know the parent, whether it's the mother or the father, that would have to do that for them. And it also becomes maybe an expectation further down the line. And then when they get in their respective marriages, that responsibility is transferred on to their partner. So it's important from a very young age. So that was a very important lesson for me from speaking with this woman, that we allow them to have hardships in life and that we allow them to learn lessons that are meant for them, for them to be able to succeed and flourish in life. So that's that's actually so fundamental, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. Thank you. It's really I mean, important, especially it, it, for parents. Yes, and there's a very interesting one about you know giving more power. When I went to see one therapist, I said to her, "I want my daughter to be more independent and take buses, you know, and trains. I don't want to have to give her lifts, you know." And I remember, I'll never forget this. She said to me, "If you get a chance to give her a lift anywhere." do it you know she said the opposite of what I was thinking you know mm -hmm. and she said because then you'll know what's going on in her life because you know when they're teenagers there's lots of things going on so I used to love driving her around with her friends in the back I knew everything I mean not because I wanted to snoop on them but it was like so nice to to just firstly drive them around you know London you know there's a lot of things going on here and you know, predators, all kinds of things, you know, happening. And she said, you know, you've got to be careful, you know, at that, at that age. So do drive them around. So I, I used to quite enjoy driving them around and just, you know, knowing what was going on. And a lot of her friends were 
lying to their parents saying, you know, we're at choir and they were drinking vodka in the park, you know, so <laughs> I'm sure, my, you know, mine also did certain things. Um, but so that, that was an interesting thing. It was almost like, don't give her that responsibility. That one's yours. <laughs> so you can feel safe and know that she's safe as well. And I think, especially in big cities like London, that, that's a really important uh, point. Just one thing I wanted to mention, which I, this word hasn't come up yet. Um, but when you talked about the biggest maybe lesson or the word forgiveness just came to me about, yes. about forgiving, I say everyone, forgiving our part, you know, whatever happened, forgive and that we forgive them for us, for our own peace of mind. Often, I don't know if it's men or women more or less, non-forgiveness is just eats away at us. So forgive, whatever happened, forgive the other person. And as important, if not more, is forgive yourself. So when I forgave myself, so many things changed because I gave myself such a hard time. And I think self-forgiveness, you know, I did my best. Now I can only do better, hopefully. But if I, when I didn't forgive myself, then I, I, I also suffered if I didn't give the other suffered twice as much and that eats away, it's stress, you know, that's, that's you know, it's serious stuff. So forgive the other ASAP as soon as possible and forgive yourself right now. That is probably one of the most important things, uh, especially after, like once the divorce has been finalized because I, that's something I'm, I struggled with very much. And I think initially it was, um, because I was the one that initiated the divorce, it was forgiving the other about what he had done to hurt me. But then afterwards, once you go through the whole process and you kind of experience the pain and you see how something that you wanted with the other is crumbling right in front of your eyes, you start to reflect on some of the things that you did and what was your portion of blame of participating or at least um, putting in your piece of work in um, in the destruction of the marriage, and I I really struggled with forgiving myself. It was so much easier than it was much easier for me to forgive him than it was to forgive myself. And there are still things that I look back on, and I think it it takes a lot because it's not just about what you did within the constraints of the marriage itself but within the constraints of the divorce proceedings, when you are at your most vulnerable and most angry and most um, you're in the most pain and you're more, instead of responding, you're more likely to react. So you look back on those things and now you've accumulated things that you have to yeah. sort of forgive yourself for uh, on top of what you, you know, how you participated within the marriage. But now it's like, what did I do during the divorce proceedings? Oh my goodness, I have to forgive myself for that too. So that's so important. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. That's and, a actually and a very simple exercise, I, d I did this, I think last year, um, was to actually write a list. Um, this mm -hmm. came from a, a po podcast. Um, just write a list of everything I need to forgive myself for. And I was quite shocked at at my list because <laughs> if I didn't write it it was kind of in my subconscious but when I wrote it um, it was like oh this and this and this just write it all down and then just burn it or throw it in the bin burn it oh, 
That's very, that's very interesting. So one of the questions that I was going to ask you, Alessandro, and of course you, you answered it in advance, was one, what's one piece of advice that you would give my listeners? And I think that's probably the best piece of advice, but of course you can, you can go deeper and, you know, provide some more advice that probably would, would give so much to, to the audience so that they could work with as they're going down this path. But before we get to that, um, I wanted to ask you, what's the best advice anyone gave you about divorce? Um, I suppose what the therapist said the week after the divorce, she said, it's up to you, but you can really um, go into, into what it means to have a healthy, uh, thriving relationship. And you can get a PhD in this now. Um, obviously not, not study it, but do your personal work. Do, you know, mm-hmm. It's up to you. You could commit to it or you could not do it and then just end up with someone similar or whatever. And I, I, I committed to that, but that was a really, it really struck me. I thought, right, I'm in, I, I want a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I want to, you know, I just want to, I, I just want to understand my human nature and human nature. And ultimately, you know, we all are, you know, energy made up of energy. We all have a heart. We all um, ideally, you know, should give and receive from the heart. And when we separate, um, you know, the heart and the mind, that causes so many problems. So I, I really tuned in to my, my heart and what, you know, what did I really want, you know, out of my life and what could I give, you know, um, after this, this divorce and, override the mind I think the mind can really get get me in trouble and um, as I said earlier the mind is just thoughts coming and going um, as are the emotions so this is a very you know a qigong practice is just to really switch off the mind if we can observe the emotions just floating away like clouds and realize actually we are love ultimately we are all made up of love and we want love you know love is is the universal solvent you know um it's not what the mind is telling us it's not what the emotions are telling us so that's going on a slightly deeper level but you know we could we could all look into that you know look into mindfulness or look into meditation to really tune into our hearts that's actually so fundamental because a lot of times we allow ourselves to follow what the mind tells us to do instead of putting it through the heart we try to um to make logic out of something that is so difficult to put through that kind of a of a filter uh when it comes to affairs of the heart and how we relate to one another and instead we can actually follow the heart And if you look deep enough and you take away all the dirt that kind of doesn't allow you to see what's deeply in the heart, naturally, we see that everything is love and that if we approach everything with empathy and love, everything will work out for the absolute best. That's so important. Yeah. So now that you've gotten your PhD, (laughs) (laughs) I can ask you this question. What do you think the divorce rates will look like in five years, in 10 years? especially given the financial climate that we have right now, especially given the fact that the world is in such turmoil. 
Well, ironically, I think I think things will improve. Um, I think when things get this is a very Taoist thing. When things get to an extreme, they go mm -hmm. the other way. It's like right. the Big Bang, Big Bang theory. The world shrinks and it explodes. <clears throat> and things right. have got so bad with Me Too, with Black Lives Matter, with things have got so bad that I think people are really looking at what do they really value in their lives. And I think community, relationships, um, time together, because how many people have we all lost? Um, and really valuing our connections and relationships. And I think people are definitely looking more deeply um, at taking more time over cultivating you know, healthier relationships with themselves and with others. And there's so much information out there now, podcasts, audiobooks, YouTube, to help us all. It's almost like overload, but there is loads of information to help us to you know, come to resolve these issues. Whereas, you know, four or five years ago, we didn't have all this stuff online, but it's almost like the pandemic has pushed us all to an extreme to ask ourselves, what is important in, in what's important in my life? Relationships, love, um, you know, self-care, growth, um, community, the environment, all these things have come up as a result of a crisis. And, you know, the crisis, I think, is bringing us closer together. So I feel quite, quite positive about it. And I think it's, it's a really crucial time for all of us, but to take more responsibility ourselves for our own relationship to ourselves and to others. That means going back to what we said, forgive ourselves, forgive others, and let's make, make this world an incredible place. Because, you know, we're, we're so lucky as humans, you know, we're the only species that has this consciousness and potential to really make a difference in the world. And I think it's happening, you see it with young people. It's really inspiring to see how um, young people are, are, are taking on, you know, things like the environment and relationships and wanting to make the world a better place. So I feel, I feel positive, you know. That is so amazing. I feel exactly the same. I think that the future is bright. And right now it's just a tumultuous time because that's exactly how it works. Much like if you look at it, um, life overall is not always a static or um, car like no, no day or year or month is a carbon copy of the previous. Uh, we go through illnesses and we come out and we heal. And I think that uh, from, a, from a bigger perspective, that's exactly what's happening in the world right now. And we will come to a place of healing. It's inevitable because we are programmed uh, and our, our bodies are programmed for that. Our minds are programmed for that. So we're definitely headed towards something beautiful and amazing. And just the most amazing thing that can happen is actually on the horizon. Um, and uh, it's so empowering to hear that from you because it's certainly going to help us come together, take responsibility for ourselves and use this crisis and leverage it to bring us closer together. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we do need to take action, do whatever we can, you know, who can we reach out to today, or we need help, right? You know, who can who can we ask for help, you know, we, we do need to take more responsibility and action and be more robustly um, and radically vulnerable. And we're all in this together, you know, we hu human nature is incredible, really, in its potential. 
So just to realize that each one of us is unique, each one of us embodies love and, and let's, let's go out there and, and um, you know, share it and, and be it actually more importantly. That's right. That's right. And that's exactly, I'm so glad that you said, because that was the tagline of, uh, I believe it was 2020 towards 2021. We're in this together. So mm. that is the unity that's at play right now. We are all mm. going through this tumultuous time together. So we are being brought together by the very thing that the very crisis that we're all facing. And it is uh, the opportunity that it brings us to be able to work together towards coming out on the other side uh, in a brighter future. So going back to divorce, Alessandro, would you say you have a divorce model that you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, what, what do you mean by a model? A, kind of... uh, a model. So, um, you know, drink water, health related, like drink water, stay hydrated, get lots of sleep um, or always think positive. Is there a model that you have about divorce? Okay. Um... Yes, uh, this is a very simple uh, pyramid, if you like, that I, I heard, well, I heard this recently in a, in a maybe I can mention it later, but um, that we need to be connected to our, our life force. That's what keeps us healthy and happy. Um, and the first point is we need to take more care of our physical, you know, our physical bodies. So nutrition and sleep, really important. And then our relationships to other people. And the most important part, the top of the pyramid, relationship to ourselves. So physical body, you know, we've got to do it. Exercise, nutrition, sleep. Let, let's, let's take care of that aspect of the life force. Relationships with others, what are we going to do for that to improve that? And relationship with ourselves. So this simple pyramid to keep us connected and plugged in, a bit like our phone needs recharging. Let's... <clears throat> keep charged up let's keep connected to ourselves and to this power beyond our own and you know life is incredible Let, let's let's realize it right life is incredible exactly on the grand scheme of things um everything is teaching us and helping us grow and evolve so um there really isn't much of a negative in anything if you're able to look at the negatives or at least what we perceive as negative. I shouldn't label them as such, but we are so conditioned to look at things that happen to us. Um, and we look at those things as negatives when in fact there's a big gift that's hidden within and there's a big silver lining. At least that's what I learned from my divorce, uh, from my stroke, um, from everything that I've gone through in life that has actually was there to, to sort of take me down, or at least I had been conditioned to look at it in those um, in those regards. But it was actually the biggest gift because it helped me sort of transcend and learn how to how to be stronger in the face of adversity. So that is so important. And of course, I love the fact that you talk about the connection to life and to the life force. Uh, very very profound. Thank you for that. Um, what, uh, so from your experience in your divorce and the, obviously the, the journey of it all, would you have any books, movies, podcasts, any kind of material that listeners can consume that they can learn from and take guidance from? Um, yes. I mean, 
I love John O'Donoghue. Have you heard of him? He's an mm -hmm. Irish, Irish author yes. and, and mystic. Um, he passed away only, he was only 52, I think, so way ahead of his time, but there are audiobooks that one can listen to. And a lot of it is about our, our connection to, to, the, to the earth, to, to the elements, to life. How are we connected as humans? If we can really get inspired about um, the importance of connection to the environment, to those around us, to life and death, to these bigger, you know, he talks about this so beautifully. It's a lot of it's about Celtic, Celtic tradition, but it's about he heaven and earth, humans and, and the earth where we came from. Um, and if you like, maybe in the notes, I can send you some, a, a couple of links yes, to, 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 a pod, to a podcast. Um, that would be fantastic. And I, I also love um, the poet, David White. He's one of my favorite poets. I don't know if you heard of him. He lives in Canada actually, but he's, he's originally British. Um, and he talks about robust vulnerability and about um, you know, having, what's the conversation we need to stop? And what's the new conversation we need to stop ha start having? And in a way, divorce is a bit like that. It's like what's the conversation we need to stop now and what's the new conversation so you know it's like life just goes on but we need to honor that certain things come to an end let's complete it let's have a new conversation let's recreate something and very happy to share some things it's quite hard to sort of talk about it in 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 detail now but um you know i just yeah and, and there are so many great podcast the mankind project has a podcast and has a website um, and the mankind project is in canada in america in the uk it's a charity it's been around 30 years any men either going through a divorce or struggling just have a look at that there's so much support which is free um, and can really empower men to be the best version of themselves you know it's like actually looking at the issues that men are struggling with in a very safe, safe place. Right, because men are typically encouraged to suppress their emotions when, um, and as a practitioner of Qigong, once energy gets trapped inside the body, will eventually seek an outlet because it does need to flow. Energy yes. is not stagnant yes. and it usually expresses as an illness. So it's so profound and important that men hear that we do not want them to end up with some sort of illness, much of which happens, especially with the older generations, with um, men and women, of course, because we have suppressed something that seeks to be flowing and we end up with illnesses and chronic diseases that the medical community cannot treat or heal. So that's very important. And on that note, do you, as a practitioner, do you, where can listeners find you? Do you practice online? Can they connect with you so that you can help them through anything that they're going through? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do work um, online mainly because people tend to be all over the UK mm -hmm. or all over the world. Um, and it, the energy work, the Qigong works very well online. Often, if, if it's an emotional thing, it's quite interesting. So if, it, if it's an emotional thing, say like anger, depression, in Qigong terms, that relates to the liver. So we, we would do, we would do self-healing practice, you know, working maybe on the liver, the internal organs, 
and then the emotions, those, those emotions can dissolve. We don't need to look at the emotions. So that's the beauty of, of this practice. If somebody has a lower back problem, you know, um, we would do a more, a more physical um, moving practice. Sometimes it might be a mindfulness, sometimes it might be breath work. So I think whatever the issue, you know, physical, mental, emotional, uh, you know, if we allow this life force to flow through us, as you said earlier as well, it can help to, to release and transform, you know, energy can't be destroyed, but it can only be transformed. So transform maybe anger into courage, transform fear into strength, transform sadness into joy. So, you know, Qigong is a 4,000 year old practice. People can read about it. Um, you know, flowinghealth.co.uk is the website. I work one-to-one -one group work. And um, I'm now actually planning to, to, to start some workshops uh, just for men at some point. So, um, because just to finish on what we're saying, because a lot of this is about men going through divorce, is when men are in a space just with men, which is a safe space where they can share um, and be heard, that's a massive healing for men. You know, uh, often, you know, when they're in that space with other men, I've seen it, you know, that the healing is, is very profound just by being heard and listened to. And often no advice is given and no comments are made. It's just when men are heard by other men, there's, there's a magical um, transformation. And I would highly recommend that people look into, for example, the Mankind Project um, and similar groups. Yes, yeah, certainly. And, and especially if um, the group that comes together is comprised of men who will make uh, the space safe for others to share and to be able to feel comfortable being there vis-a-vis -vis what's happening in their life and how they internalize it because it could certainly be sort of the um, safe place they go to, to escape what could potentially be at home, which is not necessarily ever a positive thing, a harmonious setting, things of that nature. Yes. So that's important. Thank you for that. So it's important for them to seek or perhaps even create a group where they can uh, meet other people who are sort of going down the same path and create that uh, kind of coming closer together as a community, which is what we alluded to earlier. Yeah. And to believe that things will get better and that they are not walking this path alone. Yes. Mm -hmm. Alessandro, thank you so much. I so appreciate the wisdom. I so appreciate your knowledge. I so appreciate your energy and everything that you've shared. So much to learn from you. And certainly um, as a practitioner, especially for anybody who is ready and at that point where they can walk that path of um, inner exploration, ability to sort of come face to face with some of the things that they need to address and deal with, such as the anger, like you said, we internalize it in the liver, which will eventually um, sort of destroy that organ. Uh, which is so important for our health. So certainly um, if you would be able to let us know how you can be contacted, whether there's a, an email address or a website that they can get in touch with you, um, that would be great. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes, but um, flowing health, flowing like the river health.co.uk, they'll find everything on there. And also just to finish on YouTube, there's lots of videos, free videos mm -hmm. they can watch 
um, and they can access those also through through the website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So flowinghealth.co.uk. Once again, thank you very much for joining me, Alessandro. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for the amazing knowledge that you hold. And thank you for your presence. Thank you, Simone. I really enjoyed it. And I'm sorry, uh, look, I've only been divorced once, so I couldn't give that, <laughs> that, that many tips on it. And, and uh, I'm just a kind of, you know, just a regular guy over here in London. And I really appreciate no, being on this I... I really believe and I liken this to my journey as a practitioner in my respective field of health. I have studied from so many different individuals in their respective experiences and expertise. And I find that what, what has worked is you sort of put together a bouquet, like a bouquet of flowers. So I took wisdoms from each individual. I took experiences from each individual. I took uh, expertise from each individual and I put it together in a bouquet. So I know that what people I've heard you say will be very impactful and they will be able to sort of put it in their own bouquet that they will be comprising as they go down the path of the divorce. And there will be other people they will learn from, but certainly what you had to say is incredibly important and you wisdom is very valuable oh that's a lovely image thank you so much so let's keep creating the bouquet simon thank you so that's much that's right thank you <laughs> alessandro greatly appreciate having you on the show thank you take care thank you